What's up, y'all? This is John and Wes back for the last episode of the 2022-23 college football season. That's so sad. <laughs> Had to leave a little bit of a cliffhanger there. Um, but not our, but not our last episode. No, I was about to say, don't worry, don't worry. We are not going to stop. Um, this is our 2022-2023 college football playoff national championship game preview of that game against the Texas Christian University Horny Lizards. Yes, I, you know, I'm trying to be a professional, just like these bowl games, have as many words as possible. <laughs> um, but before we get rolling, you drinking tonight? <laughs> I've got a Dr. Pepper. Nothing, nothing too fancy. Y'all know, y'all know by now. I got this, still got this Fiddler single barrel. Probably would have had a hefty dent if, uh, if I wouldn't have been half an inch from death during the game on Saturday. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how I feel on Monday. Oh, yeah, we're probably not recording Monday. Yeah, I don't see a reason to. We might have to push that to Tuesday. 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 Oh. All right. So we'll be putting out an episode Tuesday evening, thir- Wednesday morning for you guys that don't listen in the evenings, like sane people. Um, let's go ahead and jump into it because we got we got a good bit of stuff to uh, to talk about here. Before we get into that game, huge, huge, huge shout out. Well, I got two. To the Georgia basketball team for beating Auburn in Stegman tonight, put the beat down on them. First SEC opening win since 2016. They have not won an SEC opener since 2016. And Bruce Pearl has the most wins in Stegman out of any coaches. Which is crazy. Wow. Didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So huge shout out to Mike White. First year, huge win in their first year. Huge. I mean, Auburn was, what, a top four or five team when they started the season? Yeah, they're 22nd now. Well, they were in this game, yeah. But all I know is – better than the football team. They need to rank Georgia. Georgia needs to be ranked. They got a better record than Duke, and Duke's like 16th. So, Georgia is, what, 11-3 and now? 11-3, and yeah. 11-3. and Rank Rank the dogs. Rank them, you cowards. You want to talk about – I mean, even if it's 25. We'll be happy with 25. We'll be happy with 25. I mean, you want to talk about it in everything in school. Right now, that's Georgia. I Auburn, mean. Auburn's got equestrian. That's about it. Auburn's really a nothing school. <laughs> no. I mean, the baseball team's decent, but yeah. But that's the first shout-out. The second one, huge shout-out to one of our listeners. I don't know if he wants me to say this now, but I'm going to say it anyways. Congrats. Michael Dark on the birth of your little girl. Congrats! Yeah, first first daughter. He's got he's got a slew of boys that have to uh, have to learn how to be nice now. <laughs> right? Hey, but being a girl dad's so much fun. Mike, hope you enjoy. It. Hope the wife and the baby are doing well. And text me when I can come over and see her. <laughs> he lives like twenty minutes from me. I mean. Oh, they're still at the hospital. They're still at the hospital right now, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I I expect to meet Skyla here in the next couple of weeks, Mike. Monday, Monday sounds good. <laughs> last game we watched together was last year's SEC championship. Hey, don't do it again. No, we have not. That literally, we haven't even tried to meet up for a game since then. Yeah, I was like, man, I was like, I really want to go. I'd like watch this game. I'm like, no. Like I can't. I was like, I've I've watched every game at home this year. I can't. Yeah. Um. But if you're ready, we're just gonna jump into it. I got some. I got some general game facts. Um, anti facts. Some unfacts. Some unfacts. Un- not fun facts. It's unfacts. They have not been fact checked. It's just things we're gonna throw out there and see if people believe it. Yeah, hundred percent. Don't don't go check any reputable site because these will definitely not be on there. Wink, wink, hint, hint. Um, and if you know who we're talking about, feel free to share this episode <laughs> with that person because I, I mean they really need a reality check. But, anyways, let's get into it here. 
So with this game, the spread opened at Georgia minus 13 and a half. And since Saturday night, it has moved to Georgia minus 12 and a half. So that's a full point, which means a lot of people are putting money on TCU. Um, but the spread no. has. Hold on. It's not a lot of people. Mattress Mac, I don't know if you remember him from the World Series. Oh, yeah. $1.5 million on TCU. <laughs> yeah, that moved the needle a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. So, yeah. But um, over under stayed. So, it started at 62, <laughs> and it's actually gone over to 62 and a half now, but it stayed pretty steady. Um, something interesting that I looked up for this game is the weather. And that's not really something that I've, we've really looked at at games before, but the weather is going to be almost identical in LA, Athens and Fort Worth on Saturday, but all going to be 62, 63 degrees and sunny. Is um, SoFi open? So SoFi is a covered, but open air stadium. Okay. So yeah, that that's why yeah. I looked it up because it it's got that glass cover on it, but it is still open air. So I thought that, you know, if it's going to be like cold in Texas or something and hot in LA, but no, all, all three cities are supposed to be right around sixty two. Um, Damn. Yeah, wild. You got literally one end of the country, the other end of the country, and dead in the middle, all about dead the same the temperature. Huh. But, hey, it's all uh, – technically, L.A. is <laughs> south in the southern half of the country if you split it uh, split it down the middle. So, you know, football's homes in the south. Yeah. Suck it up, Ohio. When was the last time a team north of the Mason-Dixon was in the National Championship game? 2020. Ohio State. Ohio State, yeah. When's the so last time one? When's the last time a team north of that won it? Um, Twenty fourteen, Ohio State, and before that it was what Ohio State and like oh oh six, maybe something like that. It's been a it's been a hot minute since a team from uh, somewhere it snows has been proud about college football. You're going to look that up. All right. I want to say so, something interesting that I looked up, and I know I referenced this a few weeks ago in an episode, but this is the fourth year in a row that the championship game is played between the number one seed and the number three seed, with the number one seed being two and one in the previous three matchups. And the only outlier in that situation is our Georgia Bulldogs being the number three seed and beating that number one seed ass last season, 33-18. So, just some general game facts and trends before we uh, jump into the TCU offense here. And I think we're going to start – I think we're going to do this a little bit differently. Uh, we're going to do some – stats and numbers that, you know, we obviously made up because we don't use facts. You're making a face. What are you making a face for? 2002 was the last time. 2002. Um, Ohio State. 06 was Florida. And then that's when the SEC went on their, like, went on their streak. And then Florida State and Clemson. Florida State, Clemson, and then 2014 Ohio State are the only teams – to interrupt the SEC's dominance since 2006. Florida State, Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, crazy. So, Ohio State is the only team with a national title in the 21st century from north of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. Sucks to suck, nerds. Suck it. Uh, so I think we're going to do this a little bit different. We're going to talk about some uh, fake numbers that we made up. And then we're going to get into kind of like how, how – what we've seen on the field because I think we've both watched a good bit of TCU this season. Um, so we're going to get into kind of like what we've seen on the field and then go into some – after we do the offense, defense the same way, we're going to do some like game flow predictions, stat prediction kind of stuff like we did last week. So, 
to start it off, let's get this thing rolling talking about the TCU offense. So TCU has the 13th total offense in the country with 6.85 yards per play and 474.1 yards per game. Um, Georgia has played three teams this season that are ranked higher in all of those categories. Oregon, Tennessee, and Ohio State. And only one of those games was close. Only one of those games was close. The TCU Horn Frogs have the 20th overall rushing offense, averaging 38.4 carries per game, which is high. Um, but with a 14-game rushing total of 2,863 yards, which leads to an average of 5.32 yards per carry, 204.5 yards per game. Um and I know a lot of people that have only watched like clips of TCU have kind of what I've heard is that they're a pass happy offense, um, all that kind of stuff. And we're actually going to get to it in a minute, but that's a very easy misconception to make with the style of football they play, which is kind of weird. Yeah, their running back, like their leading rusher, has what, like 236 carries, like. 1,300 yards, like, no, they're not just a pass-happy offense. They can run that damn but ball, too. I'm, I'm pretty sure that guy is out of this game. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I'm pretty sure they're on, like, their third-string running back, if I'm not mistaken, as well. But, I mean, I, man, if you wouldn't ask me, I could have remembered his name. The guy that ran the ball mostly in the uh, in the Michigan game, he was good. Yeah. yeah. He did have a fumble, but oh, other than that, he was very good. TCU, they are a good – they're a well-rounded offense, and that's scary. Yes. That is yes. Scary. Yeah. No, that that a hundred percent. Like getting into the uh getting into the passing, the numbers I feel like don't tell when you look at the numbers, it doesn't to me, it doesn't really say that they're as good passing as they are. So they're 29th in the country in total passing offense, averaging 269.6 passing yards per game and only six interceptions on the season. But here's why most people, when they just see Sports Center clips or, you know, TikToks or whatever, the reason that so many people think they have a pass-happy offense is they are ninth in the country in yards per completion with an average of 13.58 yards per completion. Yeah, because their top receivers, what, like 6'8"? So, I, I mean, we're going to get to that in a minute, but according to the TCU <laughs> website, he's 6'4". If you've seen that boy play football, he ain't 6'4". No. Dude. I've never seen somebody listed shorter than they are. Speaking of height, i got to find it. I want to say he's number 89, either 89 or 86 for Georgia. i got to find it. It was on TikTok. He's a receiver. Dude is Dylan Bell. Like, huh? Dylan Bell. No, it's a white guy. Oh, then that's 89 because 86 is Dylan Bell. Yeah, 89. He is 5'6", 130 pounds. And watching him, like, besides the other receivers. Boy, um, Lad makes him look small. Bro, oh, let me find this TikTok. You can keep going. It's hilarious. All right, so Max Duggan is completing 63.7% of his passes this season, like we already talked about, six interceptions. Along with that, he has 461 rushing yards on the year with an average of four yards per carry. And so we're going to talk about how the Georgia defense stacks up against those TCU offensive numbers, right? So Georgia has dropped to 11th in total defense after the last two games, allowing an average of 4.95 yards per play, 304.6 yards per game. Um, Georgia's defense is second in the country, first in the Power Five. Um, allowing an average of three yards per carry and 80 total rushing yards per game. Here's where we get to – here's where we get to the stuff we don't want to talk about. Georgia's passing defense, which has been subject to – has been the subject of a lot of stress within the fan base, and I'm sure inside the team as well, has dropped to 65th in the country. 65th. That's just inside the top 
They've allowed 11.23 yards per completion, and that's not yards per attempt. I know a lot of people use that stat. I prefer yards per completion because that means when you're actually allowing a complete ball, what they're getting out of it. Because when people use yards per attempt, like Mississippi State's yard per attempt is not great because they throw 60 passes a game. Um, <laughs> they allow on average of 224.6 yards per game on the through the air and a total completion percentage of 57.3%. And here's the part that a lot of people are upset about. Over the last two games, those numbers have increased drastically. 15.74 yards per completion and 425 passing yards per game. We also like to call that fucking bad. <laughs> like not not good, not okay, not eh. Like that's fucking bad. 425 passing yards per game over the last two. That's more than your average yards per game total was allowed all season. Yeah. These past two games is Oh. All right, so now we're going to get into the uh, – we'll call it the eye test since that's what the committee likes to use. <laughs> and if, if you've been listening to the show, you know that we are both very high on Max Duggan. I think he deserved the second place he got during Heisman voting. And that entire offense is run through his playmaking ability. It's not all his arm. It's not all of his legs. The connection that he has with Quentin Johnston in scramble drills is insane. Like if Max gets out of the pocket and he's rolling a little bit and Quentin Johnston has two yards of separation, that boy's making a catch. It insane. He's so big and so tall that all you have to do is just like, oh, he's down there somewhere. Yeah. Like, their offense is – it's like, all right, here's the play. If this doesn't work, roll to your right and fuck it. Quentin's down there somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah. And he's fast enough and tall enough where you can just throw it within like 10 yards of him and he'll probably be able to make catch. Yep. But one thing that I do think is good for Georgia in this uh, in this situation is when you when it's a very obvious pass or rushing down and they're not going to use Max Duggan, like if he's tired, if he's banged up, their offensive line isn't strong enough to get pushed when you know what's coming. Well, they don't have to, and they just do it at Ohio State and just you know hold. Well, I'm really hoping there aren't Pac-12 refs for this game. Oh, they're going to. It's out west. Bro, I'd rather have Mountain West refs. <laughs> They'll be like, we can't spell targeting, but we know that wasn't it. We, we... <laughs> God dang it. Um, but yeah, I mean, think back to the Big 12 championship. After Max Duggan was tired and beat to hell, they knew he wasn't going to run the ball. And on those last plays when they handed it off, they went nowhere. Yeah. That offensive line wasn't able to do anything when they know that they were running with the running back. Um, going back to Quentin Johnston, I, like we talked about a minute ago, I've heard him called 6'8". Um, <laughs> he's listed as 6'4". And I'm, I'm – not to be uh, not to be disrespectful to the other guys on the team. Quentin Johnson is that guy. Yeah. The other guys are like, yeah, we're here, but Quentin Johnson, he's that guy. Like yeah. Max Duggan is that guy. Quentin Johnson is that guy. Oh, I found that Georgia player that I was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, number eighty-two, Logan Johnson. He's a redshirt freshman. He's five six, one hundred fifty-five. That's skinny, too. Yeah, so he's like 15 pounds heavier than me. My height. I don't understand how small people work. I don't. Dude, he's going to be the next – I'm telling you, he's going to be the next lad next season. I, 
Man, I don't I don't understand how small people work. <laughs> Fuck you. And so I say that I I'm you know this is gonna be a lot of information for people that don't really give a shit. But the day that I enlisted in the army, right? I'm five foot eleven. I'm big frame dude. Like I'm not gonna use that big bone thing. Like I got a big frame. <laughs> I was five eleven, one eighty three. And when I was standing up, you could count my ribs because of how big of a frame that I have. So how small people work. I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't like how. How are your? How do your organs work in this? I don't. I don't know. I don't get it. But anyways, going back to Quentin Johnston, he has one thousand sixty-six yards on the season with an average of eighteen point one yards per catch, which is insane. That's almost two first downs per time he catches the football. And I think doing anything to stop him is going to be a massive part of the defensive game plan if they're able to. Because um, we've seen over the last couple of games, they haven't really been able to. We are going to go ahead and move on to uh, go ahead and move on to the defense, TCU's defense. That is, um, TCU's overall defense is 80th in the country, allowing 5.53 yards per play. And 395.3 yards per game. Their rushing defense is a little bit better at 70th in the country, That's allowing 4.14 yards per carry. That's crazy. And, like watching them play, their defense doesn't look that bad. No, it doesn't. And I think a lot of this was early on in the season. Um, like I didn't do their last few game comparison, but they gave up a ton of points to Michigan late. <laughs> Uh, I mean, and they lost to Kansas State. But the yeah. defense looked really good against Kansas State when I went back and looked at the numbers because Kansas State, they didn't have a ton of passing yards. They didn't have a lot of rushing yards. Um, their defense just stepped up against TCU that day. So TCU is 92nd in the country in passing defense, allowing 12.9 yards per completion. 243.2 yards per game and an average completion percentage of 54.3%. One thing that I think cannot be talked about enough coming into this game, TCU is 20th in the country in turnover margin with a margin on the season of plus nine. Cool. And uh, for those of you that may not know, Georgia is – I don't know, like in the 90s or something at minus two on the season. You turn over the ball so much. And sometimes it's bad calls, and sometimes it's just <clears throat> the ball bounces the wrong way. Like there's sometimes – there's some things that you can't help. Like a lot of teams – a lot of teams fumble the ball, and it bounces to their team. Um, for example, Michigan in that, in that Fiesta Bowl game, they had – a few fumbles, one at one or two out of bounds, one bounce back to uh bounce back to him. I mean, what in that in I want to say it was in the Fiesta Bowl, Max Duggan went for a shovel pass and it didn't work, and somehow the ball came back to him after it came out of his hand. No, that was Mr. Rattler. That was my that was the South That was Rattler. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, just like that, sometimes like that should have been a fumble. Yeah. But the ball just bounced one way, and he got the ball back and was able to keep going. So, I mean, turnovers are part <laughs> luck, but mostly mostly uh, errors. Yeah, one we thing have to, we have to limit turnovers against this team, especially the way, like going back to the offense, especially the way Max Duggan plays and is willing to run. And we saw how CJ Stroud was able to hurt us, and him not be a runner. Yeah, so, so one thing that I think – I think I think Georgia didn't game plan for C.J. Stroud to run. I mean, he had 74 yards on the season before that game. Well, I mean, if you watch like that – you watch that play, that final, like, scramble he had, like – was it Carter or Alexander? Should have got tackled. The other guy was getting hugged, double teamed, like – Yeah. But – 
Yeah, C.J. Stroud, before the game last week, showed no willingness to run. He had plenty of ability. He just showed that he wasn't willing to. Yeah. And then in that game, with everything on the line, you know, he – we already talked about how much we respect C.J. Stroud after that game. Um, But, no, I mean, he did everything he could for his team to win that game, including do something that he has not shown willingness to do throughout his entire career, which is run the ball. Yeah. But I think because that's such a big part of Max Duggan's game plan, I think they're going to game plan for it. Um, so I'm not as concerned about that necessarily. Yeah. And I say necessarily because if they're not calling holding, then Max Duggan's going to have a field day. Yeah. Uh, I think I think ultimately, like, that 12 and a half – 12, 12 and a half, whatever is that like? I could see that hitting. Like for Georgia hitting it or TCU hitting it? I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like 100%, I can see the the under hitting. Yeah, no, I, I, we'll get to our predictions here in a minute. Not the under, but I mean, I see the under hitting, but the spread. Um, so one thing I do want to talk about this is everybody knows Georgia likes to use the tight ends a lot. Against Michigan, TCU allowed five catches for 68 yards to tight ends. None of those guys near as talented as Brock Bowers or Darno Washington. I, I mean, <laughs> hell, I'd say they're not even as talented as Oscar Dell. <laughs> but against Kansas State, they only allowed two catches for 32 yards to tight ends. So it seems like if the tight end is in the game, if they know that a team likes to use tight ends and they game plan to stop them, they have the ability to. The question is, are they going to be able to stop the guys on the outside and the tight ends and the running backs? I I don't know. One thing, this, this defense, I would say they're not great at any one specific thing. Yeah. But they're good enough at everything. Which is it, – it's kind of like the offense. Yeah. The offense is pretty good at everything. They yeah. can run the ball. They can throw. They can scramble. So, you know, I saw I saw a tweet today where it was like, "This game is quietly even across the board." Mm, I don't know if I go that far. But look at it—the way Georgia, like these last two games, for instance. All right, the way both these teams, like, okay, granted. Yeah, TCU lost to Kansas State. I see that. But the defense is phenomenal. Great. I don't even know if I can say that now because, like, the rankings. But, like, their defense is good. The past two games, Georgia's defense has done enough. The offense for both teams have done enough. The, the thing I think that this will come down to is, you know what, I got some more stats and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it here in a minute. I don't want to, I don't want to prematurely predict. Um, So one thing that, you know, some Georgia fans that primarily watch <laughs> Georgia only, so a comparison that Georgia has seen this season, I think this defense itself is going to be very similar to Mississippi State's defense. They use the same formation, 3-3-5. They both get a ton of turnovers. They're both ball-hawking defenses, great safeties. Um, But one thing that I've noticed about TCU is they struggle to stop the pass and the run on the same play, right? So, like, RPOs, zone reads, play-action passes – they have to commit so much to stopping the run that they're susceptible to a pass. Yeah. And they have to stop so or they have to commit so much to a pass that they're susceptible to the run. Um yeah. so I think I think that is uh is something that Georgia can can uh take advantage of is because they have to overcommit to be able to stop one. And another thing. They don't have the depth that Georgia does on defense. No, um, no team in the country really has no, the amount of depth on defense that Georgia does. 
But TCU gave up 112 yards rushing in the second half to Michigan. Their defensive line depth is not it's not it's not great. And when those big boys get tired, they're not able to do much. Um, and I mean that's something we've seen Georgia do over the last pretty much since Kirby showed up. You're gonna rotate defensive linemen often. Like you're you're gonna be able to stop the run in the fourth quarter with Kirby Smart as your head coach. Yeah. Speaking of rotating defensive lines, I found this out today. Jalen Carter played the most snaps he's ever played last night, or not last night, but on uh, during the Peach Bowl. I can see that he wasn't off the field very often. I mean, last season he was a backup essentially, and this season he was hurt most of the year. Yeah, but the article was like, um, it was like Jalen Carter most career snaps played, only one tackle. How did Ohio State neutralize him? They held him. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the tape <laughs> when Jalen Carter is getting horse collared by two offensive linemen because he broke through and they got scared. That's how you neutralize them. Yeah, that that's how you do it. Um, but I just like just like I said against Ohio State, but I think that I think that TCU is not talented enough to make up for the aggression. So. TCU is very aggressive defense. They use that 3-3-5 scheme like we talked about. And I am a huge fan of draw runs and screen passes with a 3-3-5. <laughs> and so I think you can use their aggressiveness to their detriment. You know, Stetson, get the ball, do a little tunnel screen, because their entire defensive line's coming after you. And yeah. at least one, maybe two of their linebackers. Like, if you drop back, they're coming after you, and that takes half the defense out of the play. So I think that is a big thing. And then going into the second half, and especially the third quarter, I think Georgia is going to be able to run almost at will on this team. They're just going to be tired. I don't like saying that because, I mean, we said the same thing against Ohio State. and So, and that's kind of what I was trying to say a second ago is that while TCU has can change up their game plan, they don't have a month to prepare like Ohio State did. They have yeah, true. yeah. They don't have the talent on defense that Ohio State does. TCU uses aggression to make up for talent. Yeah. Ohio State uses aggression to emphasize talent. And that yeah. like I'm not trying to say that TCU is not a talented football team because they you've got to be a talented <laughs> football team to make the national championship. But if you want to break down the total talent composites from 247 for Georgia and Ohio State, Georgia was number two in the country, Ohio State's number three in the country. TCU somewhere in the 30s or 40s. Oof. So, like I said, I'm not saying this is not a talented team. I'm not saying they didn't earn their way here because they absolutely did. But there's a giant talent discrepancy between the dogs and the horny lizards. Yeah, 100%. So now is our game flow prediction segment here. And this is kind of, kind of where we're going to go wild, have some theoretical conversations like we always do. <laughs> um, These are fun. I mean, this is kind of the spot where we talk like we're just two friends in a living room like a lot of you guys do with your friends, so. Wait, are we not two friends in a living room? Well, I'm I'm in our office, and you're in your, looks like, dining room. Dining room slash living room. It's all just one big open concept over here. Well, we're <laughs> also like 2,000 miles apart. Yeah. I don't have any friends to talk Georgia football with up here, so. Well, that's why we're on Zoom. Well, except the people down the street, they have a Georgia flag. After the game, I ran down the street with my Georgia flag, and I went to their house and knocked on the door, but they didn't answer. <laughs> they were like, we're in bed. What are you doing? Yeah, they didn't answer. My wife, Morgan, got mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, she was yelling at the neighbors because they were all like, roll tide, we're eagle. Blah, blah, blah. Saying just random ass go teams. And Morgan's like, fuck you. I'm running down the street with my flag. <laughs> hey, you know, they hate us because they ain't us. They hate us because they ain't us. Peanut They're butter and jealous. Maybe. 
Yeah, that is true. I was at a sports softball game, or not church soft church slip pitch softball game, and um, someone on the other team was talking shit. So I started talking shit. His girlfriend slash wife started talking shit. So Morgan looks at my mom. Bailey was what like half a year, like six months old or something like that. Not even. Not even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She looks at my mom. She's like, "Hold my baby," and just starts yelling at this <laughs> kid. Yeah, she started walking over, and I was like, oh, God. I was like, this is a church league. <laughs> <laughs> Getting kicked out of a church league softball. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, back to football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go, you know, I, I'm going to talk about some stuff that I think Georgia should get should do for this game plan. Um I mean, it's pretty much all just the normal normal offensive game plan stuff. Like, yeah, go go to your go to your Mississippi State Excel sheet for the game plan, and copy and paste it over to this week. Literally, do nothing different. Yeah, your the offense is not the reason you have been close in these games. No defense is defense didn't even fucking stop a fucking cold. I couldn't come up with a good analogy. So, the run defense has been good. Yes. Our secondary has been suspect as fuck. Yeah. We we need we need that Tennessee aggression. I think, man, honestly, I mean, after watching the way LSU dismantled Purdue, I don't want to say LSU caught lightning in a bottle against us because obviously they didn't with the way they fucking dismantled Purdue. But I think Ohio State, once again, having a month to prep, helped them a lot. Ohio Or TCU's got, what, a week? A week and a couple of days? Yeah, it'll be Saturday to Monday. Yeah, to, to prepare. I, I think that is going to be the disadvantage for this TCU team, honestly, is only having a week. All right, I got a theory. Ooh. When Jalen Carter picked up Jaden Daniels and adopted him as his child, <laughs> did he did he transfer some talent? I don't like, know. did Jalen give Jaden some talent? I don't know because they fucked. They fucked. They. That was bad. Yeah. What that that was so bad, Drew Brees was about to walk off the sideline and be like, I ain't even coached my son's team no more. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Dude, speaking of Drew Brees and coaching son's teams, have you seen that Sean Payton movie with um, Kevin yes. James? Yes. <laughs> I love that movie. I thought it's it was so hilarious. funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, dude, I don't know. I just hope this secondary can figure something out. Keeley, they're projecting Keeley to be a first-round pick, but man – I mean, Grady was he was targeted fifteen times during the Ohio State game. He only allowed one reception. Yeah, so, and so that I'm glad we didn't really hate on Keeley on the other episode because when you go back and watch it and you look at the stats, it wasn't all his fault. <laughs> and I know that, like, at least in our group chat, we were all like, "Bro, Keeley, Keeley may not even get drafted at this point." Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, that was more of a heat of the moment, I'm pissed kind of thing. It's, they got to figure something out, right? Like they have to. I don't, dude. I think I think they're going to go after Keeley. I honestly do. Like, who else has shown that they can be picked on? I, C.J. Stroud picked on Kamari Lasseter. Picked on Malachi Starks. Yeah, but CJ Shaw, Max Duggan, like the receivers between the two teams are two completely different worlds. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. Ohio Ooh. State has four wide receiver ones. Oh, dude, their whole wide receiver room could go first round. Yeah, absolutely. What did uh, you just get so excited about? Yes, so all over Twitter, all of everything has been that. Um, Bullard hit right. Yep. It wouldn't have been a touchdown. He dropped. He didn't have the ball when he got hit. Yeah. No, I knew that. 
Yeah, well, I'm just like I didn't realize that, and like I watched, I watched it. The ball was out of his hands when Bullard laid him out. He never had that ball. So, and you know, I continue to hear people in the media talk about this. He dropped the pass before he was ever hit. One, yes. two, it wasn't targeting. <laughs> when you lead with a shoulder and hit someone else's shoulder, by definition, that's a hit, not targeting. Yes, but uh. I just thought I'd throw that. I just thought I'd throw that out there because I know we talked in extent about that play earlier this week. But yeah, no, he never had that ball. And three, he stepped out of bounds before he caught it, so it would have been illegal touching and a fifteen-yard penalty if it was called. If it was called, it would have been illegal touching and a fifteen-yard penalty and no touchdown, regardless. So any yeah. of the three ways that play could have gone down. It was not a touchdown. Yeah, so but no, I was not. It, that just hit me. That's why I got really excited. Hopefully, Javon Bullard didn't hit you. You don't have a concussion. I haven't seen anything about him being. I was saying I'm hoping he didn't hit you because you said it just hit me. Uh, dude, I mean the way I looked on screen, he. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Sometimes I can't tell if I have a concussion or it's just a migraine. <laughs> Um, so for the defensive game plan on this, and, and I'm going to be honest, guys, this is legitimately what I have written down. Fuck, I don't know. Tennessee. That, I mean, cover the guys downfield, especially Quentin Johnston. <laughs> Just play defense, please. Like, you don't even have to cover them really well, right? Like, just blanket the shit out of Quentin Johnston, Right. And I think a big part of this game is one if Chaz Chambliss is healthy. Because I I do not think we gave him enough praise for the way he played in the first three quarters of that game the other day. There's one play in the red zone, that zone read that he stayed home on and got that tackle for loss on CJ Stroud. Did I not that one play that? right there showed his progression as an outside linebacker since he came in in the Florida game. Yeah, I and told I, you it was going to happen. Man, I, I've i been harsh on him all, all the time because I just – like, I lost faith. There were so many times where you would see him bust into the backfield and almost not know what to do. Because he was trying to, like, prove himself, like I said. But now this was his. Oh, yeah, a, a month like, to practice as the starter. Yes, this was And his. he comes in. He played – Right until he got hurt. Yes. And I'm, like I said, I just, it, it's 100% on me. I We did not give him enough love on the episode the other day. Yeah. I think it will be huge if he can still play in this game. I've, man, from what I'm reading, I think, I haven't seen anything saying anybody was out. And I hate coachism. They're not going to say it, yeah. Yeah, it's, you have eight days to prepare. You want TCU to prepare for every option. Yeah. Like, I think there's only a 50% chance we see Darnell, no matter what the coaches say. I think we see Darnell to kind of like a phantom, if that makes sense. I don't want that. I, I'm just being honest. I don't want it. Like, if he's not healthy enough to go out there and do his normal stuff, yeah. Keep him on the sideline. Yeah. Because you do, it, the last thing any Georgia fan wants is Darnell to go out there and fake play and get hurt worse and go from a potential first-round pick to, like, a third- or a fourth-round pick. I – if he's not – Sorry, guys, couldn't mute fast enough. I'll try and edit that out. Um, I don't okay. know how many like, times I'm, I'm probably coughing the mic today. <laughs> oh, I haven't heard any of them. You've been good so oh, far. Good. good. <laughs> um, I think if he's not like 65, 70%, keep him out. I would much rather see Darnell go in the first round than get more hurt. Dude, I, honestly, man. 
I think even if he does get hurt, he's going to be a first round. Like, I think he's yeah. proven enough even if he does get hurt. Maybe not like a serious injury, but like sprained ankle, you know, maybe a broken ankle. I think he'd be fine. I don't know, man. Tight end is just such a weird position in the NFL with what they draft for. There's there's really no telling. But he is like the NFL tight end. Uh, I hope so. Man, I would love to see Darnell have a Benjamin Watson career. Fifteen years in, three or four Super Bowl rings. Good old Ben, dude. Um, we yeah, continuing Max Duggan. I think is like not. And I'd be okay with zero sacks if he has less than twenty rushing yards. Like you don't have to get to him, but when you start, like when you go upfield and he's passing, collapse the pocket. Don't go upfield. Don't go at him. Just like encircle him as best as you can. I don't think he gets less than twenty yards without sacks. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of hyperbolic. What I'm saying is like, don't let him escape the pocket oh, on yeah. a regular basis. No, like, God, no. Contain him. In every game, they've done a good job of that, except this game. They have contained every quarterback they have faced, except for CJ Stroud. Because it wasn't part of the game plan. I was like, I think they were more worried about getting burned deep than they were about him running. He had 74 rushing yards on the season, man. Now, like, thing, I, yeah, well, that cannot be overstated. C.J. Stroud had half as many yards against Georgia on Saturday as he had the entire season. Oh, what Rudd. Yeah. Like, that. <laughs> when I say that was not something that he had done before – we're not exactly his entire career at Ohio State. He had never shown the willingness to run. No. Oh, turn off my light. Oh. <laughs> um. So, I mean, yes, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just <clears throat> for the defense contain Max Duggan. Yeah. Like edge containment. If you're gonna go for like a safety or a corner blitz. Get home. If you're going to take a corner out of coverage to go after Max Duggan, get home. Which, I mean, they did. I mean, looking back, they got home at the house, during the house game. Oh, every time Georgia this season has done a corner blitz, they've either gotten home or the guy threw it away. Yeah, their corners are so fast that, like, it just happens. I just, man, if Javon Bullard goes after Max Duggan and Max Duggan's able to hit that guy, there's no linebacker that can cover their slot defender. No. I mean, that's a 20, 30-yard play. Easy. If you're going to take a shot, don't miss. Is my is that's, that's my whole thing about the defensive game plan on this because we saw it. TCU goes up fast. If you give yeah. them the opportunity, they will make you regret it. I mean, I called it. I said they were going to go up early. I didn't think they'd keep the lead, but I said they were going to go up early. And, well, I was right. Yeah. TCU did not look ahead to Georgia, and they're playing Georgia. Michigan did look ahead to Georgia, and they're not playing Georgia. <laughs> Weird how that works. Wild. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of like to do what we did for uh, for the last game and do a couple stat predictions. More of just like uh, over under one sack on Max Duggan. Was not prepared for this. Over. All right. Over under 140 rushing yards for Georgia. They had 135 last week. Combined? Yeah. Total. Team total. Over. Um, over under 285 passing yards for TCU. Sorry. Um, I'm going to go over because I think they rely heavily on the passing game this week. Explosive passing game is what they're good at. I think, I think they're going to rely heavily on that on Monday. All right. Stetson's combined stats, rushing, passing. 
I was way off. <laughs> you were. I was off. You were way off. <laughs> two eighty six. Okay, I was gonna go two ninety. Yeah, I was gonna go about two ninety. <laughs> um, because I I think. If the pocket collapses, I see him actually taking off this game. I think he's fast enough to take off against TCU's defense when he wasn't against Ohio State's. Yeah, I, I could see him taking off. Maybe get five here or there, but yeah. All right. Who do you think has the biggest impact as a wide receiver? Aaron Smith. I'm going to say AD. AD in the red zone, Smith with the explosive plays. I mean, that's. Which, which defensive back has the better game, Javon Bullard or Christopher Smith? Why do you do this to me? I didn't even look. I didn't even know. I didn't even look at the outline for this. Um, I'm making this up as I go right now. Javon <laughs> uh, or I'm going to go Smith. I, I can see him making a big-time interception. For me, game. if it's who has a better game, Javon Buller or Christopher Smith, I'm going to lean into the microphone so y'all can hear me. Christopher Smith submits himself as a first-round draft pick, bringing another national championship home to Athens to be only the third team to go back-to-back since in the 21st century. (laughs) First in the playoffs. First in the playoffs, third in the 21st century. Christopher Smith. Do we get another pick six to seal it at the end? I'm going to say no. Could you imagine? Yeah, that would be wild. That would be (laughs) Keeley's Keeley's season-ending games, back-to-back seasons, and pick sixes in the national championship. I wasn't even going Keeley. I was just talking about just anybody. (laughs) Yeah. No, I (sighs) – That'd be hilarious. Yeah. You want to talk about the way to make sure that you're back in the first round? Pick six in the natty for the second year in a row? Dude, I don't know what would be better. Seeing reaction videos to another pick six to seal a national championship or the Ohio Ohio State videos after the kick? Man, I think one of my favorites was that family of Bama fans that broke down <laughs> crying yes. when Ohio State missed. Yes, yes. That was great. That was great. Or, um, or they, they want to share the Ohio State couple, like, Happy New Year's. And they're, like, kissing. And the kid's like, he fucking missed. <laughs> I think there's, and there's one that's, like, during the game, and it's a bunch of videos of Ohio State. It's the same family. <laughs> They're all like running around in circles, like, yeah, he oh, yeah. did that. He did that. And then it's after the game, and the all the men are literally laying on the ground crying. Just face down. <laughs> yeah. That was that was great. So what would be better? I, those reaction videos or reaction videos to another pick six to seal it? If it's a close game. Pick six to seal it. But if it's not a close game, Ohio State fans crying. Yeah, I'm kind of mad nobody that I had over was recording. When that <laughs> I don't even know well, what I did. Like, I, I – yeah, I kind of blacked out. Blacked out not from the alcohol, at least entirely? Yeah, at least entirely. And then I sprayed champagne <laughs> all over the kitchen. But, yeah. All right, so the last thing we got to talk about is score predictions. So basically, this is your spread and over-under pick, and I'm going to make you go first. The, I'm going to go with the under. 
I know I said I like the 12 and like the 12 and a half or the 12 whatever it's at for a TCU but man I'm really seeing like a 35 38 21 game honestly 38 21 like the 35 21 38 21 like somewhere around there so maybe I don't like the spread <laughs> I'm saying I'm going to say 41-35. Ooh, really? <laughs> Wait, we don't think – we, we didn't say who we like winning. Yeah. Oh, no, I already said mine. Yeah. I said Christopher oh. Smith seals himself as a first-round draft pick, laying some wood to bring the second national championship True. in a row back to Athens, Georgia. Yeah, I like dogs on top. Um I mean, with your prediction, we could have a pick six to win it. <laughs> if uh, if my score prediction is true and they get a pick six, that means towards the end of the game they'll be trailing 34-35. Oh, my God. I, I couldn't handle that. I don't want to pick six if that's the case. <laughs> right. <sighs> I don't like trailing. Uh, no, no more trailing. We're not trailers. I'm not used to it. We're an anti-trailer podcast, all right? Unless, no unless, more it's a, unless it's a double wide or a trailer hooked up to a truck. Oh. All right. Man, I got myself worked up over this. You did. Already. I'm about to get you worked up even more. For what? What do you think about Eric Ainge's comments about Stetson Bennett being a punk? And I think – Open he throws four interceptions to lose the game. I think Eric Ainge is – I think that he is absorbed into his own little world <laughs> where – he has so much more self-importance than anyone else sees in him. Um, I mean, he's an ESPN radio host in Knoxville. Like, he's super important, right? The only two times you've heard from him over the last decade has been either some shit about drugs, him talking about Georgia, or him talking about Stetson Bennett. Like, I just, I don't, are his comments coming out saying he's a punk because of, like, the way he carries himself on the field, which is the way everybody carries himself on the field? Well, he said it after the Peach Bowl. What did he do in the Peach Bowl that makes him a punk? Yeah, like, nothing. Like, even when he was doing well, he wasn't celebrating. It When he was on the sideline, he was sitting on a cooler during the game because he wanted to <laughs> be away from everybody for a minute and kind of zone back in. And yeah. after the game, he publicly said, I didn't do well enough. He yeah. said, I can do better. What like, part of that is punk behavior? And then to wish that a kid throws 20 or four interceptions to ruin the game, like to lose the national championship. Like, come on, man. If anyone's a punk, it's it's the fucking drug addict that says bullshit lies and crazy shit to make himself feel more important and to boost a fan base that's full of 50% trash. Yeah. Like, I I hope this goes back to Eric Ames. And, bro, hit hit us up on Instagram, at nothing.finderpod. I'll send you my address and phone number, and you can come fucking talk to me about it. But if you're going to be a piece of trash, you're going to get treated like a piece of trash, and it's only a matter of time until ESPN kicks you to the curb like that piece of trash. They're not going to. You want to know why? But here's the thing. People don't listen to the show. They retweet an article. Which, what's 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 I was saying? Any publicity is good publicity. I don't know. I think there's only a matter of time till ESPN kicks him to the curb like the piece of trash he acts like. So, Eric Ainge, we know you're listening. Even if not, we're going to clip this out. We're putting it on the Instagram. Oh, I will 100% clip this out. We want you to come on. Yeah, 
Eric Ainge, if you got a problem with me and calling you a piece of trash for your dumb fucking comments, my full name is John Henry William Picker Jr. I will send you my fucking address. Let's go, big guy. <laughs> I, yeah, like, come on. I don't understand that whole comment of calling Stetson Bennett a punk. Like, why? It's because, because he's a punk. Is it because he's 25 years old? Like, Oh, sorry. The guy that was a walk-on and then transferred to do well to JUCO and come back to a school that he's led to two national championships in a row <coughs> for the first time in 41 years. Like, oh, yeah, that guy's a punk. Because he's this season, he's done the billionaire strut once. He's dropped a mic once. And... Oh, he winked. He winked at a camera. He how, winked at a camera. Dare how dare you? Right. Wink. And after that trashy ass Tennessee fan base called him for twenty four hours straight, he did the call me thing on the TV. I I would bet it's Eric Ainge that got his fucking phone number spread around. Oh, one hundred percent. Like you could you couldn't handle some three star fucking short white boy doing better than you in college football. Was okay. it? I think that's all it is. He's just mad that he couldn't lead Tennessee to relevancy. I saw a comparison earlier where Eric Ames leads Stetson Bennett in two stats, and that's because he started for more years. <laughs> total passing yards and total passing touchdowns. The only two the only two career stats that he leads in. Yeah. Like I if you're gonna be trash, you're gonna be treated like trash. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's just trying to be relevant again or what, but come on, man. Bro, if you want to be relevant again, go on celebrity rehab. <laughs> uh, I knew I'd get you rehab from shit takes and a bad attitude. That's what you need. I knew I'd get you out from that one. I just I can't say a fucking liars. Yeah, like and obviously. There's no, there's no evidence. There's no. nothing on any field, on any press conference from any player, Georgia or opposing player that has ever said that stats in the pump. This is going like on up there with the Jalen Carter, Mel Kiper, or not Mel Kiper, um, Todd McShay fucking quote where he called where he said Jalen Carter like character was shit like. That, when you that, can't attack someone's play, you're going to attack their character. Exactly. And a former two-star walk-on is about to pass the single-season all-time passing record for the University of Georgia. And you're upset about it. Probably I, because Eric Ainge didn't get offered from Georgia, but that's beside <laughs> the point. I want – we're getting them on. It's going to happen. Go ahead. The, I, I want him to defend why he said that. I want him to defend himself. Come up in my yard, big dog. <laughs> I, 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 I can't stand liars, and I can't stand people that publicly act more important than they are. Yep. I, just, I don't know, man. Get some fucking perspective, Eric Ainge. The only two times, the only times you've been in the media over the last ten years is drugs or your shit takes. And both those shit takes were about Georgia. And, and both were fucking wrong as shit. <laughs> oh man. All right, we're gonna quit roasting some poor drug addict that's probably back on the shit right now. Um, maybe that's why he's coming out with these takes. I don't know, man. <laughs> if so, you can definitely come to my house. I'll help you get clean, make a little profit in the process. <laughs> um, all right, guys. So we gave you our predictions, some unfacts, breakdowns, um, stats, what we hope the dogs do in the game plan. Now it's your favorite time where we get to ramble on about social media for a minute. So... I found something that I want to talk about real quick, and I almost forgot. It is time to talk about my favorite distillery that makes bourbon and just so happens to be in Atlanta. You, you guys know by now, founded by multiple UGA grads, and I've gotten to be friends with the guys behind the whiskey, and like I said, I'm just going to keep shouting from the rooftops for the last 
four years running. ASW Distillery is the most awarded craft distillery in America at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, including multiple gold medals for their Fiddler Bourbon line. And just as exciting as all of that good whiskey, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five, five, you heard me right, five UGA grads behind the scenes making this bourbon. Go to their battery location to sit down with David Booth, have a drink, or pick up a bottle of Fiddler for a tailgate or, you know, it's holiday season. You got to deal with that annoying family member. Fiddler helps. ASW Distill, delicious bourbon distilled by dogs. Go follow our Instagram if you don't already, at nothing.finer.pod. We are working on, we're working on some stuff over there. At, or Twitter is at FinerPod. The Facebook group, just search us on Facebook, you'll find it. YouTube channel, at the Nothing Finer Podcast. Make sure it's got our logo. The Gmail is up. It is nothingfinerpod at gmail.com. Um, do you have anything else? No, just keep interacting with the Instagram. It's so much fun. I love talking shit to you. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun. Just keep Shout out Veteran Power Washing for roasting every other fan base. That comes on our show. I don't know who you are, but I would love to. It's great. But yeah, no, like, yeah, just keep interacting, man. Even if it's not with us, keep interacting with each other. Like, help this thing get up there. Help this thing grow. Just just to let you know, we do see the comments, but we both have full-time jobs and some. So... Like if we if we see you getting into an argument with somebody and we see an opportunity, we're gonna jump in off the top rope. <laughs> like we're gonna atomic elbow from the top rope to roast some people. It just you might, might take like, us a minute. You might get like five comments in like two minutes because we both have access to the Instagram page and we just don't realize that the other one's already commented. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, like we'll both jump in off top rope, man. So if if you're if you're interacting, we'll we'll get there eventually. But like I said, we both got full time jobs and some, so it may not always be uh, right then. Yeah. All right. Always remember, guys. There is nothing finer in the land <laughs> than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Biggest third down in Bryce Young's career. You need 10, play clock at four. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide.